0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I am your host Mary Catherine Ham. I'm here with my co-host Vic, Mattis of the Free Beacon and the Sub Beacon podcast. It is still election week. I have a bit of a like election week hangover. Mm-hmm. Just just trying to get over it. How are you doing, Vic?
1: Same Mary Catherine, a, a bit of an electoral hangover, although it might be from the margarita mix it was a jimmy buffett machine by the way you know i mean i'm not surprised because he is really on many fronts a very successful person yes and and a business magnate so he has his own margarita mixing machine and it was really interesting to watch but the bad news is there is no more booze in the blender so soon it will not render that frozen concoction (laughs) that helped me hang on thank you but but (laughs) i thank you very much thank you very much all night here all night but i will say Overall, I'm able to sleep better at night because as the president said yesterday, democracy was saved. Well, I mean, yes. yes. Yay, all yeah. hands on deck. How about you?
0: <laughs> I'm alright. I am at the point of pregnancy which uh any 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 of the ladies who've been pregnant before will understand. When I walk from the car to the house, I have to take a break. Like
1: <laughs> That was a lot, and it's not because it's a very long.
0: No, it's not a driveway. long way. <laughs> it's not long. I live in a townhome. No, no distance I cross is ever very large.
1: Are uh, you? Are you? Are you? Sort of because I know you were very physically fit and active. Is I was. Before, was okay. Every
0: time. Every time I get pregnant, I become unphysically fit and active. But then I re
1: you do take that do.
0: after the pregnancy. So but I, I'm not I can't really work out when I'm pregnant.
1: That that window of going on sometimes these 5Ks that you've done. You've done 5Ks pregnant, right? And things like that. Or oh,
0: Have I? I've, I've done it shortly after mm-hmm, that. OK. Um, All right. And I, I probably could at the beginning. Oh, yeah, I did do one. <laughs> I did do one Ragnar relay when I was like seven weeks pregnant one time. And that's 20 miles. <laughs> I didn't know. That it I makes the baby
1: tougher. Yeah. It does. That's how but it works. this is it now. You're done for that. You can't do anything like that now. You are Oof, just.
0: No. Like, I can bear. Barely... The, the one time I, I did like a 15 minute Peloton class, and for like three days after that, I was inca- incapacitated. I was like, okay, well, that's not No, for me. Yeah.
1: You don't want to induce anything there because, you know, it's <laughs> getting everything going.
0: So I, I walk, and look, I have a 20 pound weight that lives in my house and can't walk. Her name is Holly. <laughs> and so I have to pick her up many times per day and I lift her upstairs many times per day. So I'm probably getting a workout that it, I'm just not counting as a workout. However, yeah, the old, the old lung capacity is not what it used to be. And every time I go up a flight of stairs, it feels like, I don't know if you've ever like started a workout and you thought it was gonna be a good day, and then suddenly it's like your, your heart is just not pumping blood to all the extremities, and it's like, well, that's not gonna work out. That's how I feel every time I go up a set of stairs.
1: Uh, I don't have that excuse, but yes, I'm with you.
0: At any rate, in my delicate state, the fact that I have not get, gotten enough sleep over the past couple of nights has made me more pathetic. So here I am. Heart, I'm finally heart getting heart over
1: heartburn reflux. That oh my sort god, of I, got, thing.
0: I got tums. I got tums in my bag right now. At least you could take the just tums. shaking, just shaking around in my bag over here. <laughs> But I'm surviving. I'm surviving and I'm great. feeling better today.
1: Great. Well, you look great. You're glowing.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I feel like it. Okay, so back to election news. Now, when we last checked in with you guys, as we as we suggested while we were taping, we weren't sure if that was going to be the news because we didn't have that much news at 945 to 10 on election day, which meant... First of all, that it was definitely not a tsunami because we would know things by ten o'clock if it were a tsunami. It turns out it was not a wave. No. It turns out it was like like a drain spout trickling. Yes. <laughs> Maybe not even that.
1: I can't remember. Was it Ben Shapiro who said "Red Wave" became "Red Wedding"? Yeah. Was.
0: It? Yeah, it was not a not a great night. And some of that is expectations, expectations. setting setting obviously, which were way different than what happened. Actually, some of that. I, I don't think the polling is to blame on that. Now the momentum shift looked real. That part is interesting, but on the generic ballot, it looks like pollsters may have gotten it right that it was about two to three points plus for Republicans, which right. may be the national popular vote, which you'll note does not matter. It's not. A, it's just like a. It's just a stat. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. We don't usually win it. We might be two points ahead this time, the GOP, which is odd. And I will note that when Democrats lose and win the national popular vote, they're always like, this is why we need to change the whole system. Right. No, we don't. We don't need to change the whole system, guys. (laughs) It is not unfair that we won the national popular vote, but those folks will not get their seats because you have Mm -hmm. to win the seats. That's how it works.
1: Yes. I think it's interesting because when you talk about the generic congressional vote based on the polls in the past, you know, they've been off and they've been, you know, there's a weight on Democrats. And I think for us, part of this disappointment in our expectations game is because we already in our minds are overcorrecting right. for the congressional. So if it's R plus one, yes. R plus two, in our yes. minds, it's R plus five.
0: Right. Yeah. And, no, and, I and think, then you
1: say, oh, well, the last time it was like that was 2010 or right. 20, you know, And I think,
0: I think there was a lot of that. There's also some of that. That's what's built into the Trafalgar polling, which was very often, which I did not, I didn't believe those numbers, mm-hmm. but that was the idea behind that is like, we need to. I mean, I was joking the other day that unskew the polls is a bad place to be. That's unskewing the polls, right? We're just going to imagine that there is these other people out there. I will say, I think in the future, catching young people enthusiasm is part of the game for pollsters and part of what we're missing and part of the information that I think was underread in this cycle. So, And it doesn't mean that, we can get to this, but it doesn't mean that abortion was decisive per se, but it does mean that it probably changed motivations and... Momentum, especially among young women.
1: So at the very end, NBC, Wall Street Journal poll, which has traditionally not been a great poll, and they've been wrong in the past, they did mark, according to Steve Kornacki, a shift in voter enthusiasm in favor of the Democrats. And I thought that was surprising and sort of brushed it off. At the same time, New York Times-Siena poll was also turned out to be more accurate regarding Democrats versus Republicans and how that momentum had shifted. Trafalgar was way off. And I think there were a lot of bad polls that get re- that get incorporated into the RCP real clear politics average. And that's where I mean, and that's what skewed it mistakenly for a lot of these Senate races. And at the end of the day, they go in and they make their own decision based on if they want more of the same or in some many cases, a elect- crazy election denier. And they, cho- they chose more of the same. But one of those demographics you mentioned were young women and unmarried women. Yeah. And they broke very heavily for Democrats. And, and, and I know we, I think we talked about this in the last episode, but it's much more clear now. And that was the uh, the abortion message. That was November. Right. right? And well, and my
0: my thought was out. that my thought was that, you know, based on history, that Indies would break for the party out of power. But mm-hmm. that was not what happened. And this is where you get into, I believe, Mark Thiessen called it a searing indictment of the party. And it it, it can be no less than that. Yeah. When 73% of people, as we noted in the podcast the other day, are angry or dissatisfied with the direction of the country, but do not see your party as a viable option, right? you've done a bad job.
1: Well, it's, 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 it's frustrating because we've seen poll after poll say, what's on the top of voters' minds? It's, it's crime, inflation, and who do they think, according to these polls, would do a better job as Republicans over Democrats, and yet, at the end of the day... This thing happened, and so now there's a lot of obviously, as we know, finger pointing. The
0: recriminations. The recriminations. We thought we, they would be on the other side, well, we now they're, they're right.
1: here. No, and it's <laughs> you know what, and, and and that's the thing on for the Democrats. Yes, they can rejoice that they pushed back this red wave. Right. On the other hand, because there's no recriminations, they are stuck with Biden.
0: Well, so that's uh, let me let me do we'll a li- over, yeah. let me do a little conventional wisdom on the on the upsides and the the please, downsides of please. this. So. While it is hard to overstate how disappointing the performance was overall for the GOP, it is also hard to overstate how impressive the performance was for the GOP in the state of Florida. Yeah. A formal battle. And we talked about this a little bit, but just the gains made, the coalitions formed, the amount of the margins. So the bad news is you failed in this spectacular way across the country. Also, here is a roadmap someone has already built you yeah. for how to not do that in the future. I would I would add that uh, Governor Brian Kemp and DeWine in Ohio, also yep. some examples. And what establishment strikes, candidates. right? Too. Well, what strikes me is that they are governors, important, who governed <laughs> with some competence yeah. and not a small amount of courage during COVID, sometimes especially in Georgia and Florida, taking different tacks than the rest of the country did, and taking a tax for that reason. And it turns out if you do that pretty well, you can broaden your coalition. Yeah. Like, don't be crazy and run your state. Yunkin, by the way, is another person who benefits from that. He has about a 55% approval rating in Virginia. And his promise was what? I'm going to govern and let your children go to school. So, look, I want to believe that voters want that. And so I like to see this thread running through. I also think it runs through places like The L.A. mayor's race where a Republican, well, he's technically a Democrat for the purposes of the race, but everyone knows he's a Republican, could win and was endorsed by a bunch of celebrities. Why? Because the place is ungoverned right Right. now. And they are willing to say, even Katy Perry is willing to say, maybe, maybe we should try something different. So I'm encouraged a little bit by that.
1: that. Their threshold was finally met. It had to get that bad in places like Los Angeles for them to say, hey, maybe we need a change. And all you have to do as a candidate is not be crazy.
0: (laughs) It's so hard, though.
1: It's so hard, though. So (laughs) I don't don't know if you want to go into because it's I mean, in terms of our takeaways, my takeaways, just get into winners and losers. If you want to go in that direction. okay, fine. Well, winners, there were a lot of I was happy to see certain Republican candidates for Congress in the House do well. And we're still getting these results, by the way. And I think at the moment, at the time of this taping, we're still – Republicans are officially about 11 seats shy. But just a plus 10, Okay, So they're plus 10. My prediction was the very, very conventional plus 25, right? right? But it certainly was not plus 40. But among those, I liked seeing that Tom Kane Jr. in New Jersey, right, son Mm -hmm. of the former governor – he has that weird accent. That's why I said it that way, right? <laughs> perfect together. New Jersey and you, perfect together, he would say. Tom King Jr. defeated the Democratic incumbent, Malinowski. Not a pleasant guy. People I know who've had to deal with him, not pleasant. Yeah. So happy to see him go. Another one was in Michigan, John James. Oh, yes. And he was a former candidate for higher office. And so this is a congressional seat. But and this is a guy who's also served his country. Very happy to see him do well. And here's somebody who lost, but is a winner in my book.
0: Yeah, I love
1: that. You like that? <laughs> Lee Zeldin. Yes. Because it's the whole sort of rising tide lifts the boats. And he was that because even though, obviously, he lost to Kathy Hogel, which I hate thinking about because she's terrible. And she doesn't seem to think crime is a big deal in her right. state, as she said. I don't know why you were obsessed with this, she would say. But the margin... Of Zeldin's uh, was so much smaller than, again, than Andrew Cuomo's in, in the last election cycle. And it was, it
0: was about five points.
1: That's right. And he helped, that's right, five points. And he helped bring a lot of new Republicans into the New York congressional delegation, including Lawler, who defeated Sean Patrick Maloney, yes. the DCCC chair, the first time that's happened since 1980.
0: See, and this is why a strange, a strange night. Because taking out the DCCC chair in New York yeah. is a wave-like win. Yeah. If you see that win, you go, oh my gosh, this, this, this night's going to be crazy from coast to coast. And that is not how it ended up. I think, again, with the governing thread that runs through this, Lee Zeldin's argument was she's ignoring this. She's not doing the basics basics of governing. It it earned him a lot more votes yeah. than a competitor. He was a known name congressman from in Long a, Island, right? In a blue state in the past, or a blue as blue a state as New York, in the past would have, and like you said, that making that argument, not down the ballot, but in other these other mm-hmm. national races that were on the ballot, the argument was we will we will actually respond to this concern That's of right. yours. Interesting, by the way, and I think we'll know about more about this in when we have more data the migration patterns of people during the pandemic and what that meant. Because yes. Florida gained a lot of right-leaning people from the state of New York. Right. Those
1: are New York voters who yes. would have voted for Zeldin.
0: Yes. So maybe, maybe even five points worth.
1: And I think, in fact, Ron DeSantis, another big winner of the night. I saw a video clip that your friend Carol Markowitz had posted at a victory party, and he stopped to tell her, like, had she not moved down there, you know, Zeldin would have won. I mean, you know, I mean, it's like funny, but maybe, a, maybe kind of true.
0: By the way, I do want to note that as, as it stands right now, we're really not sure what's going to happen. And my friend Kelly Maher, who lives out in Colorado, notes that that Lauren Boebert race oh. is very tight. Yeah. Now, Lauren Boebert is a very famous MAGA. Yes. Congresswoman from the state of Colorado. She is in an R plus seven to nine district. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. she has a cushion and yet she had a competitor and is very close i think as of this morning it was separated by 68 votes or something and kelly who's a bit an expert in colorado politics says i don't want to will this into being guys but also i have to say it what if control of the u.s house of representatives comes down to a mandatory recount one half of a percent in colorado in lauren bobert's colorado oh three race probable no non-zero yes (laughs) yes <laughs> Ultimate chaos. That,
1: that is. And it's again, it's somebody who is a huge MAGA can, MAGA Republican. And it's just her in March Taylor Green, really. in yeah. that wing. And Matt Gates. So that is crazy. But I I mean obviously voters were tired of antics. Otherwise she would, well, it would yeah. have been it would have been a shoe win. And
0: I, I do think that is that's one of the winners is this sort of moderate mm-hmm. and even boring streak yeah. is okay. Like a Michael Bennett, for
1: instance, and these have, people want that right now.
0: Also, can I, I'm going to do a loser and a winner real quick? Yes, please. I, I have to. And we have
1: losers, and we got a big one to talk about too.
0: Well, I have to say that one loser is me. I'm a loser because this is this is the reason I'm doing this because I haven't been this wrong about an election since 2006. <laughs> Not that I thought we were going to do great in 2006. Oh, okay, yeah. But I was just like my vibes were off. My vibes were off this time, mm-hmm. and I think it's important for people in politics to admit. When yes. they goofed that up because I was reading things incorrectly. And one of the things that I read incorrectly is, and we can talk about, there are places where it did pan out. But the dog that didn't bark to me is people being mad about COVID. Now, some of oh, the some of the national. The Great Reckoning. Yeah. Right. And I and I am like admittedly disappointed and worried about civil liberties that people aren't madder about that. <laughs> However, I do think it may have contributed to the national share of Republicans going up. Mm-hmm. But they're just scattered all over the place right. in places where it didn't make the decisive, the decisive change there. And then, oh gosh, I need a winner, don't I? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Who is a winner? Oh, my winner was Sean Patrick Maloney, and you stole him from. Oh, me. sorry.
1: Yes, and of course, the, the great state of Florida.
0: Yes. Do we want to? We're going to do that. Yeah, we're, we're going to. We're going to reluctantly about. talk 2024. Okay, mm-hmm. guys. I know. I know that oh, we should. By be doing the
1: way. Big the big disappointments for me. So like yeah, there were the in terms of the losers. Big disappointments. Hung Cow. Mm-hmm. My Asians that I mentioned on the la, on the the pre-election episode. Hung Cow, but he was always going to be behind against. Look, Jennifer a, it was a D plus eighteen. That's right. That's right. And he came close. He got a, he got a lot of much. He certainly did better than poor Karina Lipsman in Arlington. I mean, she lost by eight hundred percent. I think that was like fifty percent. It was it was like, it like seventy five to twenty. It's rough in Northern Virginia. It's okay, very rough. And also, I go to the polls. I circle like I say no to all the bonds. They all get approved. Of you course. know, it's like I'm just wasting ink.
0: We had nothing on ours. I don't know why oh, my my, got my got town bonds. in North Virginia, Northern Virginia for just,
1: forgot to spend money this time oh around. Oh my gosh! And then they, and then Alan Fung in Rhode Island. I know people were way off. And that's not he was not a he was not a like an election denier or anything like that. No,
0: either. they they fought the good fight and they were. Decent candidate, decent to very good candidates. Yes, Yes, Lee Vega fell a little bit short against uh, Abigail Spanberger. That was a big
1: disappointment.
0: Republicans did get that Virginia Beach, Virginia seat that we had talked about, but that was a much closer Mm -hmm. district. So I think because because of this absence of a wave, even good candidates in these D plus a little bit. Yeah. As long as it was D plus a little bit, you weren't even as a good candidate going to bring it all the way over the line. Yeah. Except for that DCCC guy who went down. Really, really interesting.
1: It's a weird election. You said this yourself. Right. It, it's weird. There's no other way to describe it because you're going to see we have people like Beto, Beto O'Rourke who are gone, Stacey Abrams, who are, I, I don't think she's coming back. Beto might because never, he's actually never, that say never my right. <laughs> And then at the same time, you have this, 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 this red trickle. Yes, 2024, 20, the, the biggest of all losers. And there was an editorial in the Wall Street Journal just today pointing out who the biggest loser was. Which is funny because it's a different show. It's not the, you know, I mean, Donald Trump was, you know, The Apprentice. The Biggest Loser was the weight loss show, <laughs> but they throw it in anyway because it's, you know, it's yeah. all TV. So
0: it all it all goes together. All right, shall I do another winner? Yes. There there's so few bright spots, mm. Vic, but I want to point out one bright spot in the form of this story from the New Yorker, just because I love the way it's framed. I'll scare quote. Education freedom played in the midterms. In superintendent and school board races, candidates fearmongering about unions and critical race theory fared depressingly well.
1: And they didn't it, say depressingly well, did they? Oh yeah. Wow.
0: Oh yeah. Because see, when you run against people who have all this experience in education who nonetheless argued that schools should be closed for a year, you're just fearmongering. <laughs> You're just fear mongering when you point that out. Right. So it turns out that in South Carolina, for instance, the super ten- superintendent's race mm-hmm. went to a Republican challenger who pointed out that unions, you know, are bad and stuff. A lot of this, the complaint is that it, it turned on the manufactured CRT concerns, manufactured gender theory concerns, as well as, okay, stipulated some lingering resentment over COVID-19 lockdowns. In South Carolina, in Charleston, by the way, in one school board race, five of nine seats went to Moms for Liberty candidates. Down in Florida, DeSantis endorsed six school board candidates, all of whom won their races, and Moms. And in Texas, 10 out of the 15 spots on the state school board are now going to Republicans. These are all, to my mind, necessary moves in the education world and is a little bit of a light on where the post-COVID dog did bark. And it might just be a hyper-local situation as opposed to being backlash against Mm -hmm. national democrats i would also like to note in this that throughout throughout it's blamed on this fake thing and again i i truly i truly do not understand people who thought you could close schools for a year and like nobody would notice like things would just be the game would just be played as usual after that
1: the report cards in
0: yeah she the the writer of this new yorker piece says, you know, the, the vision of these people who are beating, who have the nerve to beat these school board members is one in which teachers are servants of parents. I mean, they're, they're literally public servants. We pay them, we pay them with our money. And then lastly, I want to read a little bit about this. She wants, she's very concerned about the compact, whatever compact that remains between parents and teachers, whatever sense of community collaborating in a public good is dissolving. They dissolved it, they dissolved it like the Joker yeah. in the friggin' acid bath during COVID. Like that, this is this is on you guys. She is that says, your
1: Jack Nicholson yeah. Joker. Yeah, yeah. You go way back to the original way Batman. Back, okay. Way back, I was like, I was like, <laughs> which Batman? Oh wait. Oh, yeah. okay.
0: By the way, I love that Batman. It's a
1: good one. It's a good one.
0: It's you know why I like it. It's got it? Prince. It's got Prince Because it Prince music. feels like a comic book. The look <laughs> yes. is a comic. I like the whole thing. I love it. All right, and it has prints in it. And Kim Basinger Kim in Basinger. her prime. In her prime. All right. One of the the tragedy, this is again me quoting this article, the tragedy of the post-pandemic schools crisis crystallized in these results lies in how it has heightened the adversarial relationship between two groups whose interests should be closely aligned, teachers and parents. Again, it was not the pandemic that made this adversarial. It was the pandemic that, A, Mm -hmm. revealed it was adversarial, and then you guys went full bore into making parents the enemies. She's also confused why these different forces are aligned, like Republicans and sort of conservative think tank world who are pro-school choice and then moms in the suburbs. It's because you trapped them in closed schools. Let me just like clear that up for you. And once they did that, the curriculum became a problem because then they could look closer at the curriculum and how their children were being served. And now that those schools are back open and they continue to focus on gender theory and CRT stuff, which is real, they go, "Uh, guys, you skipped a year of teaching them reading and writing and arithmetic. So, like, Mm -hmm. maybe let's get back on course. At the end, it ends with this. So they're really going to, there's a lot of uh, soul searching here. Something the members of Moms for Liberty say a lot is, we don't co-parent with the government. Don't we, though? That's the end of the
1: article. Oh, I like to think of, you know, Irving Kristol's line about headlines that have questions in them. Almost always the answer is no. No. Yeah. You know.
0: Don't we, though? By the way, this is a great way to convince these parents to get back on board.
1: They're just completely in their own little bubble. The whole CRT thing, again, if you want to go back to the original pushback, by the way, from the other side was we don't teach that. It's, It's made up by, you know, Republicans, fear-mongering Republicans. They're just ginning this thing up. It's not actually happening. Oh, by the way, it is happening. And what's wrong with you for not liking it? So we just, again, with the goalposts and the COVID thing is right. Like, as as I mentioned, report cards in, kids not doing well. Hey, who is responsible for this? You know, and it wasn't the coronavirus per se. No. It's the handling of that. And the idea also, the larger idea that teachers should have more control over your kids than you when it comes to things like gender.
0: And that you're objecting is just like, oh, off the charts, weird, like, like, what are you extremists and
1: ridiculed and ridiculed in the school board (laughs) meetings
0: at any rate? So not not a giant part of the picture, but it was a part of the picture on Tuesday. And I'm gratified by that because I do think people should pay a price for the way they treated everybody for two years, even though I think people voters can Mm. move on fairly quickly from those things, which is like
1: can be problematic well I mean we tend to focus on sort of the very macro view of the elections with politicians who don't have as much you know control over these issues as at the local level so what are we doing at the local level and stories like that give me hope not necessarily in our neck of the woods but at least in some of these places there's put they're pushing back and that's where it begins at the local level school boards you know and your local leaders
0: by the way, as it relates to me being wrong, I understand that this is my hobby horse so I can overread how mad people are about things. I didn't overread it in Virginia in 2021, but that is you know, part of politics and trying to separate your own concerns yeah. from actual voter concerns and how they will react. So just a part of my may a couple again. Shall, shall we go to 2024? Let's do it. <laughs> well, as you noted, Vic, there was a biggest loser.
1: Yes, Conventional wisdom says... I, I, I'm on my way to becoming the biggest loser, as you know, physically. Love it. Down nine pounds. Thank you. Sorry. Continue. Let's <laughs> get on the, that co- the conventional
0: wisdom, and I think it's fairly obvious for anyone to see, is that the biggest loser was Donald Trump. Yeah. Who endorsed some of the more problematic candidates who have failed to bring it over the line. Dr. Oz, principal among them, up against Fetterman, mm-hmm. who was very disappointing in his debate and look the guys that trump picks sort of escape the normal vetting they tend to be sort of celebrity-ish and bombastic and odd in certain ways i don't think dr oz was as bombastic and odd as others but maybe not the greatest fit for the state no maybe that's why he lives in new jersey anyway
1: Well, you know, in a lot of the Philly, famous Philly people, all live in you know, I know, I know. Philly people. They they live on the other side of the river.
0: All right, you knew, New I, Jersey supremacists. Donovan there.
1: McNabb. I mean, right when he was quarterback, he lived he lived on uh, our my side.
0: So my look, side. I I think this is one of those things where a potential winner is the future of the GOP because it just became less likely that Donald Trump is the nominee in twenty twenty four, and it just became more likely that Biden is the nominee in 2024. Now you combine those two things and it gives you a pretty decent chance. That being said, it's still just a possibility because though Ron DeSantis has made, I I would argue the clearest cut, ridiculously convincing case that he is the obvious alternative who could be successful, who could woo both wings of the party, Mm -hmm. who could possibly beat donald trump if he has to assuming that he runs he has made a ridiculous case for that and i think he knew what he was doing i think he knew all the numbers he was running up the other night and in palm beach county in particular yeah mommy date trump's and trump's literal literal backyard yeah you <laughs> <laughs> he knew what he was doing and if you have a choice between him and trump and you choose trump you get what you get man
1: yeah that's right. So Trump was uh, on, interviewed on Fox the other day, and he was asked if he's still going forward with this announcement. And it's really interesting. You know, Kaylee McEnany, his former White House press secretary, she was saying he needs to hold off on this announcement. And you're seeing other places, not just uh, the Journal had a devastating editorial on it, but, you know, the Journal is one thing. The Daily Caller had some negative stuff to say as well. So, I mean, he, I don't know if he's actually reading the signs, but, you know, in the Fox interview, he said, Republicans had a great night. I don't see why I should, you know, hold back. You right, know, right. so he's most, going forward. Most
0: of my endorsements won. Yeah, well, the ones that are like you could put a ham sandwich in the district and they would win right. if they had an R beside their name. Sure, those won. Right. But the ones that matter, it's like being a University of Georgia coach and like never beating Florida. But you're like, I won the rest of them. It doesn't matter.
1: <laughs> the one game that matters.
0: Never beating Alabama. <laughs> That's been, that was a, that was an era.
1: Like well, so, like Don Bolduc got brought up and Trump's response and a lot of some of his diehard supporters will say this and Trump himself said the reason why Balduck lost is because he disavowed sure sure the steal. and that's why and he had to fully embrace and yet i don't think new hampshire voters would have gone for that no. and well, it was already they, problematic they
0: went for governor Sununu yeah by a whopping ridiculous like, amount like 16
1: points yeah. <laughs> so and he was not able to carry Bulldog o- over his, even though so it was too little too late for that and if you look at other states for example, you know, Governor Ducey in, in Arizona, yeah. He had contemplated running for the Senate and then Trump threatened to go to war against him. Yes. It wasn't worth it. David McCormick would have been a thick of fine candidate mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania against John Fetterman, but then again, he, you know, you had to go with somebody who would bend the knee and that was McMadams. Yeah. So you're seeing this across the board.
0: Meanwhile, Herschel Walker is currently, I think, one, running nine or ten points behind Brian Kemp behind, behind Brian Kemp and behind the Secretary of State candidate Brad Raffensperger, who also both deserve credit for vanquishing, as I've said, election deniers on both sides. And you know, if if he's five points higher, the the mm-hmm. race is done. But he's nine points behind right. those guys. And by the way, another yeah. thing I was wrong about. Just FYI, everybody.
1: Oh, listen. I
0: did, I did think they would make it to a runoff, I thought was at gonna, least. But I thought maybe he would, he would outright same, win. Same.
1: Same. I'll admit that I'm wrong on that. I mean, same. And, 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 the, and, and red wave. But the other thing about Trump is he's going to go forward, I think, on November 15, regardless, because you're seeing signs of the, the pettiness already. And he's willing to get down and dirty, as you know. He had sent out a social media post, I think it was yesterday, wanting to point out, that he got more votes in Florida yeah. in 2020 than than DeSantis did just now, and saying just saying. So I mean, again, he's trying to point out it's so embarrassing that he's better it's so than DeSantis. So It's very it's very embarrassing. And then and then of course the other thing he did was he went after Joe Day, you know, saying you know that's one of the first things he not tweeted out but he yeah. truthed out I guess and said that he truthed. That's why they call him the Calm Truths, right? And he truths all day. He truths all day, and, and he can't stop truthing. And he, and he said, oh, you know, that, that guy was, that guy was a big loser, you know, so he relished, he, he reveled in that.
0: Well, and the, Um, the trick of all this is, and this is, this is where I, I am different from my sometime conservative, sometime erstwhile conservative brethren who are never Trump. And like, I never, I never voted for the guy, but I do think that you can't ignore that the voters wanted something different. Yeah. They wanted something different. And if you ignore that those are just the facts on the ground then you sort of just become a democrat and i'm not a democrat so i'm not a liberal i can't do that so when i'm presented with an option that is better such as a Mm yunkin i go okay this person's offering me something how do i how do i evaluate this and i think that's how voters will act when you give them a desantis or a dewine or a kemp right right the question is whether the gop primary process will allow for that yeah. Well, I mean, and it's I, going
1: to depend I, on the primary voters.
0: Yeah. And I do think some Trump voters have expressed annoyance. Yes. This week with the bashing of DeSantis and post pre and post. Yeah. DeSanctimonious. Speaking of the post, do, do I think the fact that he had a giant DeSantis got the giant cover the day after the election that said the future. Do I think that probably landed on Trump's desk? Yes, I do.
1: He must and be probably seething. annoyed him. I'm sure he was seething yeah. about that. Like
0: to my mind, he almost certainly runs. I was talking to Olivia Nuzzi on Barry Weiss's podcast and she, she's not convinced that he does, but I, there's just so much attention in it. And I think the key is now some people say that DeSantis can't beat him, but someone has to beat him because he's a, to my mind, of course, going to run. And how do, how do you optimize that? I think you have a few more Tom Cottons who say I'm bowing out. This guy's the obvious alternative. And then those two go at it.
1: Yeah. So this is all anecdotal, but people I know, no names, who love Trump, right? They loved him 2016 and 2020. And certainly his policies were, you know, he had very good policies, but the person, (laughs) it left left a lot to be desired. But these are people who very much strongly supported Trump, who were saying that he was the biggest loser. They want to move on. And they're, 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 they don't want to retread. They don't want to have to go through the rallies and the haranguing. And it's all about it's me. It's a lot. It's a, it's lot. a lot. And <laughs> you know what I say? It's like Caddyshack, the first movie was great. Caddyshack 2, not as good. Right, right, right. And you just, I mean, you can't just, really not as good. And people don't want that. And they want something else. And I think that's why they're looking towards people it's like like it's it, it, Caddyshack
0: 2 came back every several yeah, months and told please. you about how amazing it was
1: starring Jonathan Silverman please stop. <laughs> stop stop the nightmare so yeah he, i i really do think that he was an albatross and he has a track record of being you know after 2016 right he lost in, he lost 40, 40 house seats i think in 2018 yeah. 2020 and of course the the Georgia runoff where he told people okay. the fix was in
0: now if he if he goes down to Georgia he might have he might have like taken three full Georgia oh. seats oh. Sent in seats from the
1: does from he? From you, do you think he goes? What do you years? think he does? Does he campaign? Does he go to Georgia to hold rallies? Lord, I don't know. Because the, it, did the rally, like for example in Pennsylvania, did the rallies, you know, hurt Oz?
0: Yeah, probably. Because he's the other thing is that it's it's notable that DeSantis and Laxalt, who's, we'll see what happens there. They're still counting votes in Las Vegas. Yeah. But Laxalt, Laxalt, and DeSantis are two candidates who have been very successful at. Marrying the more Trump-style mm-hmm. voter with the more Yunkin-style voter and pulling in people into this coalition, including Latino voters, very important in Nevada, yeah. very important in in Florida.
1: A big number in Florida.
0: That ability to bring those wings together is just necessary. And again, this is what I think a lot of Trump critics, who I agree with on the on the material argument about Trump, miss that part of it. You mm-hmm. just can't abandon That half of the party, you have to talk to them and you have to convince them that you're the better option. And I do think DeSantis probably has the ability to do that. That's right. Not to be dismissed. To mount that argument seriously.
1: That's right. Uh, And one other little final detail about Trump I I wanted to mention was the amount of money that he had fundraised since leaving office. Right. It's something to the tune of like 387 million dollars. Only a very tiny fraction of that money actually went to candidates. Right. I mean, a very small number. And uh, Mo Brooks says it's something like nine cents on the dollar. I don't know if that's true, but that's what he says. So really, just move on. And oh, and my, my <laughs> I, there's one final thing. By Do the I way. believe that the party will? I don't know if I believe it. I We're don't. Seeing... You know, I I, th- I think they're going to get. If he continues to be petting, goes after DeSantis, yeah. that's not going to go his way. He's not going to convince people that after COVID and everything else, that Ron DeSantis is a bad person and a bad candidate. And what worries me is this supposed story. That he's got dirt on DeSantis that, you know, not even his wife knows. What does that mean? You know, it's just not, if that if that story is to be taken seriously.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it's to be taken seriously. Take it as seriously as the Trump organization's nonprofit wing. Right.
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> they do a lot of good work. Also, depressingly, by the way, the Dem strategy of pouring in forty six million dollars. Oh. Sorry, hate to bring that up.
0: I know well, it that's, worked. That's a loser. Yeah, that's a loser. By, being, by virtue yeah. of being a winner. Yeah, that's right. Um, cynicism is the winner on that one. No, that one worries me because it's, so, it's such a perverse mm-hmm. incentive. And also gives lie to the idea that, that democracy was on the ballot. Like, yeah. y'all, if you're throwing 50 million at it, democ- you don't really believe democracy is on the ballot. And so it will happen again. Yay!
1: And by the way, on the, on, the, on the other side, a source tells me that there was a Heritage Foundation donors meeting in Texas the other day with with big donors and the featured speaker was rick scott head of the nr the national republican senatorial campaign committee i imagine he was eaten alive yeah yeah so these are these are the things that we're we're dealing with so
0: 2024 how's everybody feeling (laughs) i i do sometimes i i don't know if i mentioned this on the podcast sometimes i am like a little dorm roomy like the the two-party system really doesn't serve us that well and that most Americans are some dorm roomy. I know. I'm just spitballing here. Just but. let's just let's yeah. just take it there. Yeah. <laughs> Puff and pass.
1: Man. late night. It's like Puff three pass. a.m.
0: So, <laughs> but like then I'm like, but parliamentary systems have a have an election potentially like every three weeks, and they have yeah. three prime ministers in a month and a half in right. in Britain. And so Volts I'm not I'm not sure I'm not sure you escape this sort of chaotic feel. Snap but here elections. we here we are yep. starting again. I do think the Hispanic vote sort of in some places realigning in a way it didn't happen on the Rio Grande Valley in ways that Republicans had hoped for, but there are certainly places Mm -hmm. where a play is being made and those numbers are getting north of 40% regularly as opposed to just a fluke in a very red presidential year. I think that matters. I think it convinces republicans that they need to make arguments Mm -hmm. to minority voters including black voters make arguments to young voters because you can't sort of leave that out i think the young voters part of this is that you just can't you can't wait for them and this is by the way the selfie vote by Kristen Soltis anderson friend of the show address this you can't wait for young people to get married and have kids and become conservative because they're putting that off and then they're all of their behaviors are in stone by the time they do that so they're Democratic voters. So don't leave these voters on the table. You have to start talking to them. The other takeaway that I wanted to remind everybody, the GOP cannot be only a day of voting party. Like, every place where they're successful is a place where they've governed well, where there is some flexible voting, and where they both keep it secure and play by the rules themselves. And take advantage of the rules in the same ways that many demographics on the Democratic side do. And I think if you just tell people, no, 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 we don't do voting that way. That's the bad way. Well, you got a bunch of rural voters out there that would like a mail-in ballot, right? So do it clean. Do it the right way. But don't tell your voters that they only have one way to vote and make it this weird tribal signal. Because then you're losing all these banked votes that the other party is getting. And I think we have to change our attitude about that.
1: How about the strategy of this is the most important election of our lifetimes? How do you feel about that one?
0: (laughs) Look, it's never going to stop. But I do think the fact that the New York Times has to send out a guide to dealing with your anxiety is a Mm -hmm. bad sign for society. And the press is very, very, very bad at calibrating how panicky they are about stuff. And they need to just like, aren't they all on Xanax anyway? Like, calm down.
1: By the way, and and
0: I know there's a lot of edibles in the media world. Like just (laughs) CBD is CBD use rampant as it should be, but it does not make its way into coverage. Can y'all just chill out a little bit?
1: They're going to be insufferable for the next two years. Anyway.
0: Oh, another another winner. The the GOP in the House and Senate because they'll have so little power that they can't be blamed for a damn thing.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at least they can. I mean, there's no Democratic filibuster going to happen in the Senate right i mean at most it's going to stay the same at 50-50 yeah because assuming Laxalt wins that brings the republicans to 50
0: yeah i think that's a not a safe assumption at the moment
1: no because they are still waiting on clark county and you know those the, the culinary workers unions people you know all those they, they, you know those 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 ballot drop i'm well, not getting a, cra- i'm not saying look there's a, saying, of, there's a lot there's a lot of boxes going, there's a lot of boxes that need to be counted oh. they're just waiting to be counted one if last, they need one to. last
0: winner and loser yeah places winner Places that competently and quickly count votes. Thank yes. you. I wrote that in my margin. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Everyone get on the phone with Jeb Bush. Mm-hmm. Have him come to your state. Pay him whatever is necessary. He might even do it pro bono. He probably would. He loves his country. Jeb, get him out there. Show how it's done. Have him show you how they do it in Florida. That's right. It is possible. I hate this thing, Nevada, Arizona, where they're like, uh, we're going to start counting again like three days from now. We'll probably have some numbers for you. This, regardless of what is I'm happening. I'm shaking my
1: head, by the way. Regardless belief, of what is happening,
0: regardless of how many people and observers there are on the ground, you are hurting confidence in elections when yeah. you treat it this way. Mm-hmm. And if you do not do it quickly and competently, we will have more problems with this. So please, please call Jeb. Someone, anyone in Flo- Actually, just call any Florida right. voter. I'm sure they could get notes on it from someone and bring it to Nevada and to show you guys And once how to you do it.
1: once you start opening up the flexibility of how long you want to extend receiving mail-in ballots for the next week yep. or two, or that you don't want they don't need to be dated and things like, then that is not helping voter confidence. Nope.
0: That, maybe that's my new slogan: flexibility in voting, great. Flexibility in counting, no.
1: No. Ooh. That like just do the job. That was like a mom, though.
0: Yeah, it was. <laughs> I had to deal with you know what my my only son. At the current time, Scout, who I took to daycare this morning, was disobeying me, so I had to use my your commanding yeah. voice.
1: Well, that wraps up another edition of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and you can follow me on Twitter at Victory Mattis.
0: I am at MK Hammer on Twitter and Substack at MK Hammer time on Instagram. We will switch to some lighter subjects next week, right? We've had, have we had enough of election
1: coverage? It sounds like it's going to go on forever.
0: It's going to go on forever, Vic. 2024 has already begun. But we will, we will bring you other stuff. You That's what we're here go. for. Morning show vibe. The morning show is hanging it up on election results. <laughs> this has been a Nebulous Media Podcast.